and welcome to the Happy Baby Podcast. The Happy Baby Podcast is hosted by Frank Kelleher. Frank is one of the best-known paediatric osteopaths in Ireland. Over the last 20 years, he has helped well over 10,000 families with some of the most common issues that can challenge babies and children. The Happy Baby Podcast is all about providing information for parents on the common issues that can affect their baby or child, and more importantly, where to get help. Our aim is to provide parents with good, practical, professional information to help them navigate their little one's health needs more effectively. This podcast is not, however, intended as a substitute for medical diagnosis or treatment from a qualified health professional. If you have any concerns about your child, you should contact the appropriate health professional. When a parent contacts us here at the clinic to book an appointment for their baby, very often they will say that their baby is suffering with colic. And there can be a hopelessness associated with this diagnosis because colic is seen as something that many babies have, but there's no real treatment for. Parents are advised to give it time, three months, four months, maybe six months, and baby will grow out of it. That's a tough ask of any parent whose baby is crying, unsettled and distressed. So Frank, I'll start with the million dollar question. What is colic? Okay, well, according to most health professionals, about 20% of babies actually develop colic. So that's one in five. That's quite a high average, to be Mm. honest. And there's generally the accepted rule of three, which is if your baby cries inconsolably for more than three hours a day, more than three days per week, and is aged between, say, three weeks old and three months, then they are diagnosed with colic. That description could explain any number of digestive issues a baby could have, really, though. Are there specific signs and symptoms of colic? In our clinical evidence, having worked with these babies for so many years, really, I think, yes, there's a classic case of colic where the baby pulls his knees up, clenches his fists, closes his eyes tightly, or maybe even has them open. Sometimes they may even hold their breath for a short time. And also the other signs would be that their bowel activity increases and they often pass a lot of wind. And these are the things that we would see. However, I suppose in my opinion, just having seen all of those babies, colic is a term that's used widely by people who do not really have another reason for their baby's distress. And I think you have to look at that. It's more likely that the baby's distress has been caused by something else rather than true colic, if I'm honest. When I see a baby, I'll always look at other digestive issues that can affect the baby before deciding, yes, it actually is colic. I'm very often the first person of contact for mums who ring for an appointment. So what happens is we go through the usual procedure, selecting a day and time, you know, getting contact details and that. And then I'll always ask, how is baby doing? And very often that's when mums get a little bit emotional. She'll describe why she's bringing her baby to see you. And often I can hear the upset in her voice. Because I think parents will do anything to help their baby, absolutely anything. So let's say you see a baby with symptoms similar to colic. What other digestive issues would you be looking for? That's a very good question. I think there are a number of digestive issues that could present with colic-type symptoms. I would think that the the words that are used most by parents is reflux. Is another word that parents would come in and say, is it colic? Is it reflux? Now, that's for another podcast episode, but it's a, in itself, I think it's something you absolutely have to rule out. I also think that you have to look at sensitivity to formulas as well, because I think that can give you colic-like symptoms in the small intestine, so down in the bowel. And it's another common disorder. 
40% of babies who present with reflux, for instance, have an underlying causal protein intolerance. So you have to rule that in or rule it out. The other key thing is that the mechanics of feeding for me as an osteopath is huge because the structure of the mouth and how you suck, breathe and swallow and the function of sucking, I think you have to rule that in or rule it out as well. Because if you do have a tongue tie, and we've already spoken to Justin Roach about this and to Kate Roach, they will tell you, and I've seen this, the baby is just taking too much air into their digestive system. And if they can't get the air out of their stomach, then fundamentally that air is going to go down into their large intestine, into their bowel. And that's going to create bloating, trapped wind, all of those things that can make a baby distressed. And ultimately, they will cry a lot, quite a lot, to be honest with you. And then for me, the other thing is the musculoskeletal system of delivery. So for me, if you have different types of delivery, fast deliveries, long deliveries, babies who are in awkward positions, instrument deliveries, that can tension their musculoskeletal system primarily. And then the secondary outcome of that is that it can interfere with normal digestion. I've seen that in so many cases. And again, you end up with those lower bowel symptoms. Some babies do have this problem with formula and you may need to change the formula or give them a formula that's a little bit more digestible for a period of time. If you are changing formula, you should have a specific reason to do so. And you would need to contact a health professional about the best advice around changing formula and also Don't just change a formula because somebody else said, oh, I tried this formula and it worked very well for me. Your baby's individual. They have a very individual digestive system. There may be a family history of digestive problems that may have been passed on and is now causing those colic type symptoms. But these are things to tell you every baby is different. They're all unique. And I think you need to look at their digestive system uniquely as well. And if you're changing formula for babies, you do it over a few days because you want to trial the effects of the formula on a digestive system that is already struggling. And you want to note the improvements in things as simple as sleeping patterns, bowel function, wind ejection, all those basic things. Is that formula benefiting those very simple areas, sleeping, feeding, winding, pooing, the basics. Are you seeing positive changes in those areas? That's the essence of a formula change for me as well. Has your newborn baby been diagnosed with reflux? Or are they crying and unsettled all the time? We have been working with newborn babies for over 20 years and in healthcare for over 30 years. And we have created an online course bringing together information from all our years of experience, specifically for parents of newborn babies and reflux babies. In Baby Reflux, a new approach, we will show you how to identify the cause or causes of your baby's reflux. This, we believe, is the first step to solving your baby's distress. The course is packed with valuable information for new parents with over 150 minutes of video content and 36 downloads. For more information, see the link in the captions or follow us on Instagram at Frank Kelleher Baby Osteopath. So Frank, let's say you see a baby and there is no indication that the symptoms are as a result of any of the issues you just listed there. 
What happens next? I suppose, in my opinion, based on on that, there are two possible causes then that you'd need to look at. So the first thing we'd look at is gut immaturity or imbalance. Okay, so that's in the small intestine and the large intestinal area. So many of the bacteria in a newborn baby's gut comes directly from mum during the birthing process. There's lots of bacteria given to baby on the way down. The type of delivery is important in determining how populated the baby's gut will be with good bacteria. So a vaginal birth, for instance, exposes the baby to the mother's vaginal microflora and allows the baby's gut to be well populated by good bacteria. So that's one way that the baby gains a good start. If you compare this to a C-section baby, in this case, the baby's delivered into a sterile environment And this can affect the level of good bacteria in the gut. And they're doing studies on this at the moment, actually. So this small difference can result simply from a different type of a delivery and has been shown to influence the development of a healthy immune system. So we then must also factor in gut maturity. So it's worth remembering that anything from 38 weeks to 42 weeks of pregnancy is considered to be full term and that's a four-week difference between two full-term babies and a four-week difference in gut maturity. The next thing then that influences the gut in my opinion is how the baby is actually fed. So in the first year of life 30% of breastfed babies gut bacteria comes from breast milk and a further 10% from the mum's breast as the baby is feeding. This is another reason why support for breastfeeding mothers is so valuable, particularly following a C-section. So what's interesting is that many of the formula companies now have actually included prebiotics and they'd be catalysts to form probiotics in the baby's gut. And they're in the infant formulas to try and address this imbalance as well. So if a pregnant mum or baby has antibiotics at any stage as well. So let's say they've had to get antibiotics because they were in the NICU for a little bit. Our mum is breastfeeding and she's had to take antibiotics because of something that's happened like mastitis. Or if she's had a C-section, she got an infection and had to take them for a period of time. This, in my opinion, will negatively influence the gut health as well. So this is why we look at probiotics as a way of establishing a healthy gut based on just what I've said and how useful they can be to get that gut microbiome developing and maturing well. Another great reason to breastfeed, isn't it? And the research around gut health and our immune system is really interesting. For example, the MIMIC study is currently ongoing in UCC UCC here in Cork. And it aims to identify the gut bacteria that are missing or depleted in infants born by caesarean section or who have been exposed to antibiotics and then developing a solution to benefit these babies overall health and development. So how is this gut imbalance addressed, Frank? So look, we see babies who have issues with their gut health or their gut development at our clinic every week and they present with typical colic type symptoms. So they'll be grunting and groaning as they're straining to push this lower gas out, and they can be generally very unsettled with this. So they may have a bloatedness, particularly to the sides of the body rather than centrally, because that's where their colon is, if you know the anatomy of the body, 
And the main aim of our treatment is to give their gut a little help and support. So I would suggest an infant probiotic for those babies. And this should be used daily for up to six weeks. And again, you'd talk to your pharmacist about it. There are many infant probiotics on, on the market. And ones that I've recommended over the years are a probiotic called BioGaia and another one made by the company Proven. And they are probiotics that you can give to infants. You can talk to your pharmacist about that. BioGaia is a dairy-free probiotic and it's in a liquid form. So it's in drops that you can give directly to your baby. Proven then, they have dairy-based ones and dairy-free-based for breastfeeding. And it comes in a powder form. And again, with all probiotics, generally speaking, it's just once a day. Any good pharmacy will have a range of infant probiotics for you. They will be very well aware of what's in the probiotics and what they do. So it's best to speak to them and get advice regarding which one is the best for your baby. They'll be very helpful to you in that regard. The second thing then, and I suggested this, is lactase drops. So those are artificial forms of an enzyme called lactase enzyme, which is produced in your small intestine and helps break down the milk sugar. And as we've said, this enzyme is produced at a slow and steady rate in the gut, mostly overnight. And as I said, many babies struggle towards the end of the day because of the high demands for this enzyme. And this results in some milk sugar being left undigested in the gut so if you give these drops co-leaf or lactase drops what happens then is that they start to act on the sugar in the gut and it helps it so when there's not enough enzyme in the gut let's say towards the evening time then there's free sugar that's undigested in the gut and then the bacteria work on the free sugar and one of the byproducts of that is that the baby then produces a lot of gas and that gas then has to come out at some point it causes a lot of pain so this is the baby who's bloated and has the hard tummy the typical colic type symptoms and they're wriggling and they're straining and you're walking around the floors at home with this baby and they're very distressed because they're trying to process this sugar and the other key thing to say to you is that they have to put a lot of force to, to actually release it. And the other important thing is that 95% of digestion occurs in your small intestine. Think about that for a minute. That's a very, very high level of digestion that needs to take place. So it's really important that you have a healthy gut or that you help the gut in an, a young baby to adapt and one of the ways of helping that to adapt in my opinion a bit faster is to use probiotics and to use enzyme drops like coleaf or lactase to assist this young gut that is maturing and will get there but you want to make sure that you give it some help to reduce these colic type symptoms so the combination i've recommended this for many many years and if I'm honest with you, of course, when you're advising parents, you get them to talk to their GP or their pharmacist or their public health nurse about it when you're considering probiotics and lactase drops and to get the right information to make sure it is the correct treatment for your baby.
There is another theory as well, Frank, isn't there, that colic may be as a result of a nervous system overstimulation. What are your thoughts on that? Again, another very good question. And it, it is another theory that is used. And I've we've read about this and we've read the research on it, that it may be as a young nervous system adapting to the environment around them all day long or being stimulated by the environment around them as the day is progressing and that it's tiring and it's fatiguing for their very young brain. And we hear from parents often about how colic seems to start in the early evening. They tell us that the more they try to soothe their baby, very often the more distressed the baby actually becomes because as you're trying to soothe the baby as well, it's stimulating for the baby, believe it or not. So we often advise these parents about cutting down on external stimuli. So, you know, a little siesta for baby just before that evening upset is going to take place. Because what you're trying to do is to rest the baby's brain for maybe an hour, if you can, or maybe an hour and a half before that evening period so that the baby wakes up much more refreshed, that their brain has had time to rest and to sleep, which is very important as they approach the evening time. And also that you're giving their digestive system a rest as well, where it's preparing itself then for that evening pattern where they'll be feeding at certain periods of time and then going into hopefully their deeper sleep patterns later on at night time. And why would these babies have an overstimulated nervous system? What makes them different to other babies? Look, I can only go from my experience of seeing them on a daily basis, really. And there's a couple of things that I think could be contributing factors to this. And this is what I see clinically, is that, first of all, there may be reasons why their nervous system has been overstimulated, for instance, during delivery. So assisted deliveries where... They've had to use forceps or vacuum and the baby has obviously been stimulated by that process. If a baby has to go through a very long labour, we're talking 24, 36, 48 hours, it may have been an induction labour and the baby's nervous system is adapting through that whole period of time. That's stressful on a baby, in my opinion. Very fast labours, you would think, yeah, baby will recover very well. That's a lot of compressive force on the baby's body system, which they're able to adapt to. But it means that, in my opinion, their nervous system has to be stimulated to accept that process and to almost guide the body through that. I think I would see these babies who I would consider to be, and the term is sympathetic nervous system. What I mean by that is that they're in that fight or flight default setting, if you like, just a bit more irritable, a bit more alerted because the delivery process at that point in time, brief though it may be, has overstimulated their nervous system. I often would say that they have quite high startle reflexes. So when you lie them on their back, they startle a little bit more easily. And again, it's because it's a primitive reflex that all babies are born with. But again, through the delivery process, this is my opinion. I think it can be overstimulated as well. And also that leads them to wake up quite quickly from a nap. So again, these babies, you're having to tiptoe around the house with them. And let's be honest, they should be able to sleep with environmental noise. But they have this pattern in their nervous system where they wake up too quickly, really. And again, I think it can be overstimulation. And this, in my view, yeah, 
It can contribute to an exhausted nervous system by the evening time, which again can lead to these colic scenarios. The other thing we see with these babies, well, we don't see it, we actually hear it, is that they have this this type of cry which is quite irritable, it's quite high-pitched, and it's sustainable as well, so it goes on for a little bit longer. And trying to soothe them or bring them back down takes a little bit longer as well, which is why we treat them, because what we're trying to do is, if you like to move their nervous system back into that lovely neutral zone, as I call it, where their body's in midline musculoskeletally, but also their nervous system now is finding its way and really processing the information, even though it's very, very young, in a much more measured way. And that's what I would say, that these babies become a lot more measured in their responses because their nervous system is now hitting what I call is that lovely neutral point. You mentioned comfort formulas earlier, Frank. Why are comfort formulas specifically for babies with colic? I think because what they have within the actual ingredients of them is more gentle on a baby's digestive system. They used to be called easy digest formulas many, many years ago. Yeah, when we started, yeah. I know they're called the comfort range and they have ingredients with them which is easier for the baby to be able to digest. So the first thing is that many of them have reduced the amount of sugar that's in the formula. Very often 50% less sugar in them. So it means that there's less sugar digesting going on in the small intestine. So, of course, as we said previously, that helps the gut. This new gut has less work to do in terms of converting sugar. And they replace them with fatty acids, which can be converted into sugar anyway and converted into glucose and galactose. They also quite often, they'll remove one of the proteins in the formula and it can be the casein protein, which is a more solid protein and the whey protein is left, which is a more liquid-based protein. But what they do is they heat it. It's called partial hydrogenation. And what it does is it breaks the molecules of that protein into smaller pieces. So again, it's easier for the baby to be able to digest this. When they make these formulas, they're thicker as well. So very often you need to go up a teeth size in the bottle so that it flows through the teeth more easily because they are thicker. And because they're thicker, babies obviously have to work harder to drink them. So it's a very important factor that you go up a teeth size or that you trial a teeth size and see if you're on a number one teeth, you go to a number two and you test the baby's sucking ability as they're taking that formula. The other key thing with them is that the stool itself will be a little bit looser. It will be maybe a little bit more frequent as well and also more pungent smelling. So that's the key with comfort formulas. I'm a fan. I think as a starting point for the treatment of colic, I think they're a very good fit for some babies who really respond very well to them. And as regards changing to a comfort formula, again, you spoke about that Mm. early and about the slow transition. Yeah. Is it always a good idea to stick to the same brand that you're using? I would believe it is, yes. Obviously, there are ingredients in both the standard formula and the comfort formula, which are similar And obviously the companies that make them staying on the same brand would be my advice. And again, to do it slowly, as we said, you do it over a number of days so that you again can monitor the baby's progression as you introduce the new formula into their system and remove the old formula. 
And when you say do it slowly, you're talking about changing on day one, just change one bottle to the comfort formula. On day two, change two bottles to the comfort formula and so on until you have changed completely. That's what we recommend. Mm. I I just think we've done some of the readings on this and the research on it. And if you look at a lot of the top nutritionists who have interest in formula, that's what they talk about. They talk about this progress from one formula to another i think that's a good thing i really do no i do too i yeah. think it just allows the baby's digestive system to accommodate the new formula and move steadily onto it and therefore you can observe them through that process and make sure that it is working for them yeah so the message here is that there is always something that can be done for a baby who is distressed if you were listening to this podcast and your baby's unsettled crying and you are looking for a solution know that there is one no parent should be expected to sit by and watch their baby struggle without being able to do something to help them we will continue to discuss the digestive issues we see at our clinic over the next few months the more information out there for parents the better that's why we started the podcast after all so until next time goodbye goodbye